بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the aftermath of the Battle of Khaybar and we mentioned that one of the main reasons why the Prophet ﷺ invaded Khaybar was to punish the Jews for their role in organizing the confederation in the Battle of Khandaq that happened approximately one year earlier. So the Jews, they are the ones who planned and organized this confederation of different tribes to go and try to attack Medina. So the Prophet ﷺ was punishing all of those tribes who participated in this confederation. So that was one of the main reasons why the Prophet ﷺ went and invaded Khaybar. And even though the Jews were the main culprits because they are the ones who had this idea of making this alliance and they are the ones who organized it. So they were the main culprits at the Battle of Khandaq. The Prophet ﷺ was not going to forget about the other tribes who participated in the confederation. So now that the Prophet ﷺ had defeated the Jews at Khaybar, he sent different expeditions after that to go and punish the other tribes that also had a hand in that confederation, that also participated in that alliance. So he sent a number of different expeditions to the different tribes that fought against the Muslims at the Battle of Khandaq. And from these expeditions was the Sariyah At-Turba, the expedition of At-Turba, where the Prophet ﷺ sent a group of his companions under the leadership of Umar ibn al-Khattab And he sent this expedition to one of the branches of the tribes of Hawazin. But the tribes of Hawazin, they were on a very high alert. They were on very high alert because they knew that the Prophet ﷺ, he is punishing the tribes that participated in the Battle of Al-Khandaq. And they knew that they were amongst those tribes. So they knew that they were a target. So they were on very high alert. And by the time Umar ibn al-Khattab and his group reached their territory, they had already fled. They had already ran away. So when Umar ibn al-Khattab and his group, when they were on their way back to Al-Madinah, they passed by a group of kuffar from the tribe of Khuth'um. And one of the members of the expedition who was with Umar ibn al-Khattab he said to him, Ya Umar, I can show you a way to get into the territory of, of these disbelievers the disbelievers of Khuth'um. I can show you a way to get into their territory. We can attack them and we can invade them. But Umar radiallahu anhu, he immediately rejected this. He said, no, these were not the instructions from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa The instruction from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was to go to Hawazin, not to go to Khuth'um or not to go to this tribe or that tribe. So even though they passed by that tribe and they could have invaded them, Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, no. The Prophet ﷺ gave clear and explicit instructions and this was not part of his instructions so we are not going to do that. So it shows the discipline 
of Umar radiallahu an, and it shows the strictness of his adherence to the exact instructions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Around the same time period, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam sent another expedition under the leadership of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu an to the tribes of Banu Kilab. And these were also some of the tribes that participated in the confederation of Khandaq. So the Prophet ﷺ sent an expedition under the leadership of, of Abu Bakr an to fight them. And they were able to invade the land of Banu Kilab and the Muslims, alhamdulillah, under the leadership of Abu Bakr an they were successful in defeating Banu Kilab and they took the spoils of war. So you see the Prophet ﷺ is sending expedition after expedition after expedition back to back to punish all of the tribes that participated in the confederation of the battle of Khandaq. Around the same period, the Prophet ﷺ sent yet another expedition to the tribe of Banu Murrah. Banu Murrah was also another tribe that participated in the confederation against the Muslims at the battle of Al-Khandaq. Now we mentioned the tribe of Banu Murrah before and the leader of Banu Murrah was a man named Al-Harith ibn Awf. And if you remember Al-Harith ibn Awf and his tribe of Banu Murrah, they did participate with the alliance with the Ahzab in the battle of Khandaq. But then about a year later at the battle of Khaybar, the Jews of Khaybar asked Al-Harith ibn Awf for help. They asked him to give them support from his tribe, from Banu Murrah, in the battle of Khaybar. But at this point, Al-Harith ibn Awf, he refused. He said, no, I'm not going to help you against the Muslims. Because by this time, Al-Harith ibn Awf had seen the rise of Islam. And he has seen that Islam is becoming more and more prominent every day. So even though he participated in Khandaq, about a year later, when he was asked for help again at Khaybar, he refused. He said no. But still, due to the fact that he did participate in the confederation against the Muslims at the Battle of Khandaq, the Prophet ﷺ still sent a group to punish his tribe and to fight his tribe. And of course, the tribe of Banu Murrah, they were very alert because they knew about their own role in the battle of Khandaq and they knew that there was a great possibility that the Muslims would target them to punish them for the role in the battle of Khandaq. So the Prophet ﷺ, he sent an expedition to Banu Murrah under the leadership of Bashir ibn Sa'd It was a small group of 30 men. So as we mentioned, because Banu Murrah were very alert and they were actually expecting to be attacked by the Muslims, they were in a state of very high preparedness and a state of very high caution. So Banu Murrah was actually able to attack this small group of Muslims, this group of 30 Muslims. Banu Murrah attacked them before they entered their territory. So the Muslims were caught off guard. And sadly, the majority of this group of 30 Sahaba, they were killed by Banu Murrah. The leader of this delegation or the leader of this expedition, Bashir ibn Sa'ad radiallahu anhu, he was injured but he survived. And he was able to escape and he was able to take refuge in the area called Fadak. This was one of the lands where the Jews were staying. 
and the Jews of Fadak had made an agreement. They made a deal with the Prophet ﷺ. Just like the Jews of Khaybar, they made a deal with the Prophet ﷺ. The Jews of Fadak, they also had made this deal with the Prophet ﷺ. So when Bashir ibn Sa'ad, when he took refuge in Fadak, they protected him. They gave him refuge due to their agreement with the Prophet ﷺ. Because they knew if they were to turn him over and not give him refuge, that would break their agreement with the Prophet ﷺ. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he would come and he would punish them. So they gave Bashir ibn Sa'ad refuge. And they did not turn him over to the kuffar. So Bashir ibn Sa'ad was able to escape. And also one of the other companions in this expedition, he was able to escape and inform the Prophet ﷺ what happened. So the majority of this group of 30 Muslims, they were killed. So after this particular incident, after this defeat at Banu Murra, some of the Arab tribes again, they started to think that, okay, maybe we can actually defeat the Muslims. After they had seen the victories of the Muslims in Khaybar and the other victories one after another, it was coming to a point where the Arabs, they thought that the Muslims, they're untouchable. There is no way that we can ever fight them. There's no way that we can ever defeat them. But after this defeat at Banu Murra, they started to think again like, okay, maybe there actually is a possibility that we can still fight the Muslims and still defeat the Muslims. So this was a sad incident that occurred. And the majority of this group of 30 Muslims who were sent to Banu Murra, they lost their lives but as we mentioned Bashir ibn Sa'ad even though he was injured he survived and that's important because we will talk about the second expedition of Banu Murra in a little bit inshallah that was also under the leadership again of Bashir ibn Sa'ad so after this the Prophet to keep up the heat to make sure that the people know that yes the Muslims are powerful and they will continue to punish those people who transgressed against them. The Prophet sent yet another expedition under the leadership of Ghalib ibn Abdullah al-Layfi This was an expedition of 130 men. And he sent them to the tribes of Banu Awal and Banu Tha'labah. And again, this was under the leadership of Ghalib al-Layfi So Ghalib, he made sure to be extra careful and extra alert. After knowing what happened to Bashir and those 30 companions that were with him, Ghalib knew that he had to keep very high alert and very high caution and be prepared for anything that could happen on the way. So whenever he would enter any area or enter any territory, first before entering and bringing his men in, he would send a spy to go and make sure that the coast is clear. So he sent one of his spies to an elevated area to scope out the situation. And he saw that the kuffar, they were preparing themselves for battle. The spy saw that the kuffar were preparing themselves for battle. Now, while this spy was on this elevated area and he had a view of the kuffar getting ready for battle, one of the kuffar spotted him. But because the distance was somewhat far, this disbeliever couldn't tell, is this a man or is it just some type of an object that is on this elevated area? He couldn't tell if it was a person or not because of the distance and because it was somewhat dark 
he couldn't make out exactly what this silhouette basically he was seeing what it was he couldn't tell exactly what it was so he said to his wife this disbeliever he said to his wife he said i see something dark up there it's like a silhouette but i can't tell is it a person or is it just some object i noticed that there is something there that wasn't there yesterday so this companion this sahabi who was the spy of ghalib he made sure that he stayed extremely still that he wouldn't move because if he moved then this man would know that this is a person and he would go and he would investigate and then he would know that the muslims are right behind and they would suddenly attack the muslims so this man this companion who was on this elevated area he knew that it's very important for him to stay still so that the muslim army will not be discovered so he made sure he stayed extremely still but the disbeliever was still not sure is this a man or is it something else so he said to his wife give me an arrow give me an arrow i will shoot at it i will shoot it and we can see if it's a man or if it's something else so he took his arrow and he shot the arrow he threw the arrow at this man and it hit the companion in his shoulder but he knew that if he were to move or flinch or anything that he would be discovered and then the Muslim army would also be discovered and it would be a great danger for them. So even though he was hit in the shoulder with the arrow, he didn't move. He remained completely still. And then the man said, huh, it didn't move. So let me try one more. He asked his wife for one more arrow and he shot him again. The second arrow also landed in his shoulder near the first arrow. But still the man, he didn't even flinch. He didn't move at all. So now the man said, okay, two arrows, I shot into it. There's no way that that is a human being. Didn't even move at all. So it's probably just some object or something there. And he decided not to worry about it at all. Alhamdulillah. And the man remained still until it became pitch dark. He remained still with those two arrows in his shoulder until the sun went completely down and it became completely dark. Then he went he left that area and he informed his people, he informed his commander Ghalib al-Layfi and he informed the Muslims of the situation. That yes, they are there and they're preparing for battle. So they treated him, his injuries, and then Ghalib radiallahu anh, he gave the command to his people that yes, we will attack them in the night. So they will not expect us coming, we will attack them in the night. And he gave a very important command to his people. He said, you should all remain in pairs. I don't want anyone by himself. Everyone has to have a companion with him. You go in pairs of two. And I don't want anyone to leave his partner. If I ask anyone, where is your partner? I don't want to hear the answer, I don't know. I don't want anyone to say, I don't know. If I ask you, where is your partner? You have to know where he is and you have to keep with him. So. Stay in groups of two and do not isolate yourselves. So this was one of his rules. So they attacked the kuffar and alhamdulillah, they were successful in defeating them. And the kuffar, they started to retreat. They started to run away. While the kuffar were running away, one of them named Murdas ibn Nuhayk, he started shouting insults at Usama ibn Zayd radiallahu anhu. Usama ibn Zayd, he was part of this, of this expedition. So this man, Murdas ibn Nuhayk, who was from the Kufar, 
as he was running away, he was shouting insults at Usama ibn Zayd radiallahu an, and he was actually insulting Islam and insulting the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Usama ibn Zayd radiallahu an, he was very angry to hear this man insulting the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He said, no, I will not stand for this. And he went and he started to chase him. Now, as we mentioned, they were all in pairs of two. So Usama ibn Zayd radiallahu an, he was partnered with one of the men from the Ansar. He was partnered with an Ansari man. So when Usama ibn Zayd went to chase Murdas for insulting the Prophet wasallam, this Ansari man, he followed along with Usama ibn Zayd because he knew the rules that you cannot separate from your partner. And he followed him and followed him and chased him to such an extent that Usama and this Ansari man who was his partner, they became separated from the main army. So the Ansari man, he said to Usama, he said, Ya Usama, just let him go, leave it. Let's go back and join the rest of the army. And then Usama, he said, no, I will not leave him. He is insulting the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I will not let this go. I'm going to continue to chase him. And he continued to chase him. And the Ansari man, even though he wanted to go back with the rest of the army, he knew the instructions were, you cannot leave your partner. So he continued to follow along with Usama radiallahu anhu. So eventually Usama and the Ansari man, they caught up with Murdas. And they took out their swords to strike him. They were in a distance, they were within a distance where they could strike him with their swords. So they were about to strike him. And just before striking, the man said, Murdas said, La ilaha illallah. He said, La ilaha illallah. So once he said, La ilaha illallah, the Ansari man, he took his sword back. But Usama radiallahu an, he struck him with the sword. He killed him. And then the Ansari man said, Ya Usama, why did you do that? He said, La ilaha illallah. Didn't you hear him say, La ilaha illallah? And then Usama said, He said, he just said it because he was afraid of being hit with the sword. He didn't mean it. He just said it because he was afraid of death. And the Ansari man said, but he said, La ilaha illallah. So how could you have killed him after saying, La ilaha illallah? The Ansari man was very uncomfortable with this. So eventually they went back with the rest of the army and they told the commander, Ghalib al-Layfi, what had happened. And then Ghalib said to Usama, Ya Usama, he said, La ilaha illallah, and you still killed him? How could you do such a thing? And then Usama, he said the same thing to Ghalib. He said, He just said it because he was afraid to die. Death was right in front of his face and he got scared. So he said it to save himself. But still, Ghalib was not satisfied with this answer. So eventually, they went back to the Prophet ﷺ. They were victorious in this battle, alhamdulillah. They went back to the Prophet ﷺ and they informed him of what happened and they informed him of what Usama anhu did. And Usama an said the same thing, thing to the Prophet ﷺ. When the Prophet ﷺ said, Aqataltahu? Did you kill him? And then Usama, he said, yes, I killed him, Ya Rasulullah. And he said, how could you kill him after he said, La ilaha illallah. And Usama radiallahu anhu, he said the same thing. Inna maqalaha khawfan min as-saif, Ya Rasulullah. Ya Rasulullah, he just said it because he was afraid to die. He didn't say it because he meant it. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said a very important statement. He said, ashaqaqta 
عن قلبه Did you open up his heart to know what he meant? How can you know what he meant in his heart? And then the Prophet said to him فَكَيْفَ تَصْنَعُوا بِلَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ إِذَا جَاءَتْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ What are you going to do with لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ when it comes on يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ What are you going to do with لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ when it comes on يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And Usama رضي الله عنه he felt so bad about this about this mistake he felt so bad that he said I, I wished that I had just accepted Islam on that day I wish that I had just accepted Islam on that day because when you accept Islam, it erases whatever you have done before it. It erases all of the mistakes and the bad deeds that you have done before it. So he said, because of the, the burden of what the Prophet ﷺ told him and how heavily it was weighing upon him what he did, he said, I wish I just accepted Islam on that day. So this is a lesson for us as well. When somebody says something, we don't try to open their hearts and try to try to judge what their intention is. Right? This is something that is known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So after this expedition, the Prophet wasallam sent Bashir ibn Sa'd. Remember Bashir ibn Sa'd, he was the one who was injured when his expedition attacked Banu Murrah. So now Bashir ibn Sa'd, his injuries were cured, alhamdulillah. And the Prophet ﷺ sent him a second time, again, to Banu Murrah. But this time not with an army of 30 people, but with an army of 300 people. And this time, alhamdulillah, they were able to defeat Banu Murrah, and they took a great amount of spoils from this battle. Now, the leader of Banu Murrah, Al-Harith ibn Auf, he saw that Islam keeps getting stronger and stronger and more prominent every day. And he decided, okay, now this is it. This is the right time to become a Muslim. If I become a Muslim, then I will be able to participate in these battles and I will get a portion of the ghanima, the spoils as well. But if I stay as a disbeliever, then we will have loss upon loss upon loss. So he decided, okay, this is the right time. I should become a Muslim. So he went to Uyayna ibn Hisn. And if you remember Uyayna ibn Hisn, also known as Al-Ahmaq Al-Muta'a, the fool who is followed by his people. Uyayna ibn Hisn, he was the leader of the tribe of Ghatafan. So Al-Harith ibn Auf, he went to Uyayna ibn Hisn and he tried to convince him to join him as well. Let us both go together and become Muslims and our tribes will become Muslim. Banu Murrah and Ghatafan will join the Muslims. And then we can participate with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in these ghazawat, in these battles and we can collect a lot of spoils of war like the Muslims are collecting. So he went to Uyayna ibn Hisn and he tried to convince him and finally Uyayna ibn Hisn was convinced. He said, yes, it's a good idea. Let's both go to Medina and we will accept Islam. So Al-Harith ibn Auf and Uyayna ibn Hisn, the leaders of Banu Murrah and Ghatafan, they set out to Medina, on the way to Medina, to meet the Prophet ﷺ and to become Muslim. On their way to Medina, they ran into Furwa ibn Hubayra. Furwa ibn Hubayra, he was one of the leaders of the Arabs, and he was on his way to Mecca, actually, to make Umrah. He was on his way to Mecca to make Umrah, and he ran into these two. He ran into Al-Harith ibn Auf and Uyayna ibn Hisn, and he asked them, where are you guys going? 
And the two of them replied, we are going to Medina because we have decided to become Muslim. Because Islam has become prominent, it has become strong, we are going to Medina to meet Muhammad and we're going to become Muslim. Furwa said, wait, wait, wait. Don't be in such a rush. Look, I'm going to Mecca right now. I'm going to Mecca to make Umrah. Let me go to make Umrah. I will meet with the Quraysh. I will talk to them. Maybe they are planning to attack the Muslims. Right? If they're planning to attack the Muslims, you don't want to become a Muslim yet. See if the Quraysh is planning to attack the Muslims and then see the result of what happens. If the Muslims are victorious, then you become Muslim. But if the Quraysh are victorious, then you don't become Muslim. So just wait. Don't be so much in a rush to become Muslim. Just wait for me to go to Mecca and come back and I'll tell you what to do. So they agreed. They said, okay, we'll wait and we'll see what the situation is. So Furwa, he goes to Mecca. He makes Umrah and he talks to the Quraysh. And he asks the Quraysh about their plans. And the Quraysh tells him, look, we have a peace treaty with Muhammad. That's the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah. We have a peace treaty with Muhammad for a period of 10 years. But during these 10 years, we are preparing ourselves. We are preparing ourselves. So when that 10-year period is up, we will fight Muhammad and we will fight the Muslims. This is our plan. So this is what they told Furwa. That yes, they are bound by this peace treaty for now. But they plan as soon as the treaty is over, as soon as that time period is over, they want to attack the Muslims. So Furwa, he kept this in mind. Also, while Furwa was in Mecca, he noticed an exchange between the leader of Banu Bakr, the tribe of Banu Bakr. The leader of the tribe of Banu Bakr was a man named Nawfal ibn Muawiyah. So Nawfal ibn Muawiyah, the leader of Banu Bakr, had an interaction or a conversation with the Quraysh. And Furwa ibn Hubayra, he witnessed this conversation. Now remember the importance of the tribe of Banu Bakr. Remember in the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah, Banu Bakr, they aligned themselves with the Quraysh. And the tribe of Khuza'ah, they aligned themselves with the Muslims. And what does that mean? That means that anyone who attacks Banu Bakr, it is as if they attack the Quraysh. And anyone who attacks Khuza'ah, it is as if they attack the Muslims. Right? So Banu Bakr, the leader of Banu Bakr, Nawfal ibn Muawiyah, he went to some of the leaders of the Quraysh and he said to them, look, we have some unresolved issues with the tribe of Khuza'ah. And the tribe of Khuza'ah is aligned with the Muslims from the day of Hudaybiyyah. So Banu Bakr, the leader of Banu Bakr, he tells the Quraysh, we have some unresolved issues with the tribe of Khuza'ah and we are planning to fight them. We want to attack Khuza'ah and we want your help. We want the help of the Quraysh. So you can help us either openly or secretly, whatever you want, but we, we want your support to attack Khuza'ah. And the Quraysh, they agreed. They agreed to help Banu Bakr attack the tribe of Khuza'ah. What does that mean? It means that the Quraysh were ready to secretly break the treaty of Hudaybiyah because an attack on Khuza'ah is tantamount to an attack on the Muslims because Khuza'ah is aligned with the Muslims. And Quraysh agreed to help Banu Bakr against Khuza'ah. And Furwa ibn Hubayra, he's witnessing this whole interaction. So he realized when he witnessed this interaction that the treaty of Hudaybiyah is about to fall apart. That the Quraysh are ready to break the treaty of Hudaybiyah. 
and this treaty is going to fall apart and it's going to cause a great battle between the Quraysh and the Muslims. So he was expecting that a big war was imminent between the Quraysh and the Muslims. So when he left Mecca, he went back to Al-Harith ibn Awf and Uyayna ibn Hassan and he told them, don't become Muslim yet. Wait, there's going to be a big battle between the Quraysh and the Muslims in a little while. Just wait. Wait for the results of that battle. If the Muslims win, then become Muslim. But if the Quraysh win, then you don't become Muslims. So this was the advice of Furwa ibn Hubayra to Al-Harith ibn Awf and Uyayna ibn Husn, and they accepted this advice and they decided to wait and not accept Islam yet. All right. So now remember also from the agreements that were made on the day of Hudaybiyyah, one of the conditions was that the Muslims, even though they were, they were in Ihram on the day of Hudaybiyyah, one of the conditions was that the Muslims would not be allowed to make Umrah this year but they would be allowed to come back the following year. So now, it was the following year. Now, about one year had passed since the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah. So the Prophet ﷺ, he made plans to go for Umrah according to the conditions of the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah. He made plans to go for Umrah. And this Umrah is known as Umratul Qada, the makeup Umrah. The make-up Umrah, because they were not able to make Umrah the previous year, so they are making qada, they are making up that Umrah this year. So the Prophet ﷺ made preparations for the Umrah, Umratul Qada. And inshallah, next week we will talk about the details of Umratul Qada bi-ithnillah. Wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.